You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Elizabeth and the Catapult. Striking a balance between being truthful and heartfelt isn't an easy task, but Elizabeth Zimmon makes it look effortless. She's played music all her life, and yet her latest album, Keepsake, feels like the definitive Elizabeth and the Catapult album. It's one of those listening experiences where you can tell the musician who's made it is fully in control of their talents. She's never been known for repeating herself, and Keepsake is a prime example of how beautifully Zimmon can express her beautiful range. To find out how the album came to be, I chatted with her at her home studio, and together we explored the experiences that caused Keepsake to blossom. This is the 405 Exchange Podcast of Elizabeth and the Catapult. Enjoy. And my love was born and my youth was sold and rock up my elbow at the bottom of the hill. And I to the nightfall and you pick me up and you carry me home. Take me back to grandma's garden. So we just talked a little bit before you in the recorder about the show you just played at The Standard and yes. how great you were at improvising. Which, and that was incredible. Thank you. Um, that led me to wonder, and I was wondering this while watching you, and I had this in my head coming up here to talk to you, but do you feel like um, your years from performing really have helped you deal with stuff like that, like mishaps and just kind of like spontaneous things coming about? Like, do you feel that's where it comes from? Well, um, I think that I've always felt like when I perform that people want, people are going to connect the most, even if you... I like have a piece of work that's really experimental and is not really about connection but just about what's going on in your head. In general, the thing that people are going to really connect to is when you're just super truthful and simple. Yeah. So, and you're being as much like as honest as you can of who you are in front of everyone. So if something goes wrong, um, like for instance, my looper pedal uh, going off the deep end, um, instead of, you know, trying to cover it up or trying to play it off or whatever you think the quote-unquote professional thing would be to do, you know, I just stopped it and I just sang a song a cappella and people suddenly feel like shaken up. They're like, oh, we like to see, we like to see what you would do in that kind of circumstance and it makes them feel even closer to you. So it's kind of in a weird way, um, because I didn't have, you know, that like super, super intimate song necessarily in my set originally, I think, especially in a space like that, um, when people are like, oh, this is you being the most human you could possibly be right now. That's quite literally what uh, you did. You know, and that's, that actually, you know, in a, in a weird way, it works to the performer's favor. Yeah. For something crazy to happen and for them just to be like, all right, I'm accepting this, you know? I found myself <laughs> really surprised by just how um, it felt like within that moment when it became more intimate and when you yeah. were just singing a cappella like that, it felt like it clicked in your head to do that. Like, I felt like I saw the wheels turning in your eyes yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna do this now and yeah yeah you're right it did what you just said and how it kind of takes people for a loop people were not expecting you to do no. that and it worked yeah, yeah yeah I was actually very surprised because like I remember while watching you do that there was a moment I want to say maybe it was like 30 or 40 seconds after you were singing mm-hmm. where I realized that you never had to tell you know like sometimes at concerts people start singing acapella and then you hear people in the audience shushing other people talking yeah and there's that whole thing of like yeah. the crowd slowly going quiet yeah. people were quiet the moment you started doing it like I was like, oh, we're all listening right now. That audience was incredible. I don't know. I started getting a little, I told you, like, in between when you guys were so quiet between <laughs> songs, I was like, is this a classical recital? I'm having flashbacks to being, like, 10 at, like, classical music school with, like, everyone's so quiet in the audience. 
Uh, it was really sweet. I was like, are you guys drinking? I don't know if you... Because <laughs> everyone was just yeah. so lovely, really listening so intently. I, yeah, that was a lucky thing. I kind of go a little bit backwards into your background, because when we mm-hmm. talked about like, the standard a little bit, we talked about like how you're, you've trained in music for like mm-hmm. years and years. And I'm quite in curious... In a certain way, yeah. yeah. La- a very wayward path. A very sure. wayward path, but yeah. like what intrigues me by that is that how do you feel like the Elizabeth from years ago would react to see the music you're making now? Because I wonder what, what that conversation is. What a good question. I've never thought about that. Um, well, I started off when I was, you know, very young. Uh, I, I played classical piano, and then I was a competitive child. I was, like, competing in piano competitions. Holy and this shit. is all before the time. So I went to an art school music, and, I, yeah. you know, they were with, like, you would do it with, like, a a chamber orchestra or whatever like it was a it was kind of a lot of pressure and when I was that age um, I think it ended up being too much pressure and I stopped playing piano pretty early on like maybe by the time I was 12 I yeah. stopped studying because uh, it was just too I was getting too nervous it was too com- competitive did you feel very intense? Uh, it was very intense yeah. and it was just I couldn't practice they would always say like oh you know you don't practice enough it's only like four hours a day or I would get like little Jeez. comments from the judges so oh. so I stopped playing and I didn't actually really start playing seriously or, or I mean for fun but I didn't yeah. start playing again until I was in I was really in college oh. um, with like the film scoring stuff but it's yeah I think that if I looked at myself now (laughs) I would I would definitely be very confused you know when I was very young I thought I was going to be a you know a classical musician yeah I burned out early but you know (laughs) well I mean um, one of the bands I do, because I, I work with some bands, one of the bands I work with quite a bit is uh, Metric, and uh, Jimmy, yeah. the guitarist in that band, he studied at Juilliard before dropping out to make pretty much Metric with Emily and the rest of the guys and do pop music. Yeah. And I remember talking to him about it once, like, because I was so curious about what the decision was to, like, drop out of there. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, when you're in an environment like that, the road seems so much more narrow than it should, where you can see where the qualifications and the training will take you in a classical sense. And yes. he found himself thinking, like, well, that sounds boring. Yeah, and also, it's just very lonely. Yeah. You that- know, I think I, I think the truth, really, at the end of the day, is um, that I would never... I can't be alone for the amount of hours I would have to practice. And I think when I realized that, even as a kid, yeah. um, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be spending... And I do spend a lot of... You know, there's musicians that just kind of practice when they're on stage or that kind of, like, write only for their records or whatever. But I'm one of these very, I guess my friends would call me obsessive. Yeah. I'm like a workaholic. I love, I'm constantly making stuff and I'm yeah. constantly, like, I, that's just the, that's, I get really bored easily. So I'm constantly creating. And if I had to do that always by myself and I couldn't, like, bring it to a band or collaborate with people in a studio if I was just doing you know yeah. this concerto for like eight hours a day for like you know every day for months I think that I would go crazy it'd be maddening and there's certain people that have that kind of discipline that can spend that amount of time alone but I think that's really the deciding factor for what you choose to do you know there was a word that you said there that really stuck out to me within everything you just said you said truth and for me that was I mean I haven't heard all the keepsake yet but I've heard some of the majority of the songs and that in its essence I feel is what drives that the album so far at least from what I heard truth like it feels like you found yourself I'm trying to think the best way to phrase it like it feels like when I was listening to these songs it felt like you found yourself making the 
best songs you could to reflect who you are. Like well, that's a high compliment. Well, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you I mean, do you agree? Do you think that's even possible though, as a musician, like as a creative? Like I don't know. I mean, I can tell if I write a lyric that set has a lot of meaning and says a lot in very few words. Like I'm very into that efficiency, um, and I like when I. You know, like I have a song, Thank You For Nothing. I can tell that's written well. I have a certain songs that I can be like, this reminds me of a great Leonard Cohen lyric or Bob Dylan lyric, so I know I'm onto something here. And I've only written, I think, a couple songs that I really that I really feel that way. Like That's amazing, because uh, a couple. Yeah, only a couple. But I yeah. do I do try, I, I do spend, you know, I spend a lot of time um, editing lyrics. You know, I write... I, I write my lyrics first and then I write some music to it and that's the easy part and then I like go back and there's there's lyrics that I've written in like you know uh, a couple weeks or a day and then there's lyrics that I've been working on for you know that I go over and over for a year yeah. and so um, I think that definitely the songs that I ended up because I recorded over probably like 35 songs for this record Wow. and um, I think that's pretty common I think sometimes people just you know, especially if you write a lot, like you just kind of, you can go on forever until someone says, okay, now, yeah, now, now choose the ones that, you know, tell a story and that like, that have the, the, and I think that the theme of all the stuff on this record was, um, a lot of it is, you know, it's just, I mean, like you could just say the theme of the record is it's hard to, you know, being a human is hard work, but, um, it's like, a lot of it's like negotiating loss and processing loss and reinventing yourself and figuring out how to get up more gracefully and I mean that that's a theme of a lot of my records but um the thing that was interesting about this one um was that a lot of these songs I had, I had started lyrically many years ago or were found from journals or um from when I was young or diary entries or poems that were never finished and then I kind of wrote in you know the story of my life backwards and um and that's why it's called keepsake because there's so much there's so much nostalgia on this record and and it's like bits and pieces of lost and found uh, you know of the story of my life so yeah um, i want to touch on what something you just said there specifically about like how a lot of this album and some of your previous work kind of touches on that reminder that we need to pick ourselves up do you feel in a way that one of the reasons that could be quite a theme for you is that sometimes you feel there's like a lack of that in life, like the, a lack of that reminder. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why it's interesting. Everyone has their own. I think being uh, being objective and uh, being like aware of your of your habits and yeah. your tendencies, whether it's like depressive tendencies or addictive tendencies or whatever it is and and you learn you learn who you are more and more as you get older you make the same mistakes over and over again no matter how old you get which is hilarious that's good to know so i'm like i'm so crazy all these after all these years you know that paul simon song but but i think that like you do you start if you can start to you just have to be super disciplined at like actually paying attention to those things i mean like okay you know what it's a choice 
for me, I mean, to an extent, some people don't have this choice, obviously. Um, I love we're talking about mental health now, but yes. it's a choice. It's a choice to 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 like have the dis like being happy is a discipline. Being the best, like like really rising to your potential in any way you know how, to me is a discipline. And it's like I when I you know. Um, it's just some people in my life passed away this year and when when you when that happens you're like okay i am going to make a decision to remember to be grateful for this day i'm going to make a yeah. decision to spend 5 minutes in the morning being like remembering who i am remembering like like a calling remembering to be grateful you know and i'm going to make a choice to do that that's not going to happen naturally that's not just going to like yeah. you know like we don't just roll out of bed and we're like Woo! i mean some people are like that. Yeah. <laughs> actually but, yeah some of my friends are but like that but i would that, say that's also the difficult choice yeah. in the sense that like i mean i i kind of hesitate to use the word but i feel like it'd be it's easier not to do that it's easier to kind of walk it's really easy and i mean i think my, i like i would do that if i you know i think that you have to be thrown into the you know, the throes of life teach you to, like, to, that you have to do some of these healthy habits if you want to, like, you know, if you want to, if I want to create, if I want to keep being, like, a creator and, and, like, work my butt off but still, like, have the energy and the time and the freedom to see all my friends and then also, like, deal with major, you know, with, with people dying and, you know, if I want to, if I want to balance, like, you need to work. It's work. It is work. Yeah. And, you know, something I wanted to touch on, I wanted to ask you about this before, but I'm glad we were talking now so I could ask you about it, because I feel like we could go quite deep into this, is that, mm -hmm. so I moved here in New York back in 2008 for college, I ended up staying here. Um, I mostly grew up in uh, Westchester, like that area, in uh, London, uh, before coming here. And, um, but you were, were born here in New York, and you were raised in New York, yeah? Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly. Um, I feel like a lot of what you're describing in terms of introspection and dealing with facing yourself and the way you are, I feel that's so specific to being here in New York, where you're in an environment where you have to... I feel like all of us, we're here to make our lives what we want them to be. Yeah. Like, chase our goals. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it becomes this difficult thing where we have to learn to also live. And it's mm -hmm. almost like you have to relearn to live while you're living. And mm. Well, it's a, I mean, it's an, artist, it's an artist's life. That's... I, I, yeah. Sometimes I hesitate it's to say that, but I guess life, that's what it is, isn't it's it? It's everyone's life, but I think... You know, being, I mean, a lifey or someone that yes. wants to make art for the rest of your life. I don't know what that's called. Is that called a career artist? I, mean, I don't know. Sounds lifey BS sounds good, me. though. Something about I'm going to go with lifey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm in this for the lifey. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, to do all of that, yeah, you, you have to be very driven, figure out what, what balances you out, um, and, you know, Hopefully it's not, you know, drugs and alcohol because, I mean, the people that stay doing this forever, if you're like, hey, I'm going to make an almost living <laughs> and create constantly, it's almost like you're making a choice to be, and it, this is what, you know, a lot of my music sounds like, but it's like you're making a choice to be a child forever. It's like a forever child. A lifey is a forever child in the arts because you're always going to be kind of dr half daydreaming and creating a world that really mostly just you believes in. I mean, even if you have fans yeah. that are like really, really supportive, you're still deciding instead of like 
to have like nor just a normal career and a normal life, you're still deciding to go like the hard route because of something that you really love and you're really passionate about. I think there's something to that though. I yeah. think even like seriously, I think I heard even some, I think it was Paul McCartney who said something very similar to that. Really? That like when he goes to make an album, he tries to remind himself what it's like to be a child, and he, and within that realizing yeah. that that's what it is essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I just meant about like life choices. Like, oh, yeah. am I gonna get a job that like where I could like, you know, eventually have some kids and take them like get them through college, or am I gonna have to get a job where not that like you know, and I have I've been really lucky enough like I've done some film scoring and I have like my hands and different a bunch of different stuff yeah. that like helps you know and licensing like. I've been very lucky to be able to yeah. do this without, like, I've never been a waitress. Like, music is my job, and that's really cool. Um, but, but at the same time, it's still like you're not in this to be like, like a, a, a financially stable, no, yeah. like, you know, like future planning individual <laughs> you're in this because you're like listen this is the this gets me up in the morning i'm so excited to make music i couldn't dream of doing anything else this is how much i love to do it i don't even have a choice of the mat matter so yeah i'm gonna be a kid for life uh, <laughs> you know i want to touch on new york a little bit in the yeah. sense that like i imagine i'm fascinated by people who were born and raised here because even though i've been here for a long time my childhood wasn't here. So when I see people who were able to have a childhood here, I always wondered what that was like. Do you, in essence of what you're talking about now in regards to like creating and that drive to create, do you feel like this is a place that has always inspired you or is that much later on? Or does it inspire you at all? Like this place? I mean, it cool. always inspired me. I grew up on uh, Manetta Lane and that's down the block from Cafe Wa and all of, and, and down the block from Bleecker and McDougal. I mean, that's where all of those small um, early clubs in the 60s where, you know, Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell and Woody Allen and everyone, you know, Richard Pryor, they all had their start there, you know, yeah. and back when the village was, you know, <laughs> what it was. Yeah, the hub. So, um, so yeah, so I knew that. I think, you know, my, my, my dad's pretty cool and he listened to, like, you know, the right records when I was growing up, Monk and Joni Mitchell and everything, and so I had, I had the, the right influence, and I did, you know, I would rock down my block and think, hey, you know, this is this is where it started, and I think that eventually that that may have inspired me to, you know, write some songs, but but either way, it, New York is an incredibly inspiring place, and even the even the shows that I got to see when I was young were amazing, you know, yeah. just dropping by, or when I was, you know, a teenager going to Smalls Jazz Club was really cool, like, that was down the block, I feel very lucky to have grown up in the village, I mean, it's pretty incredible, do so. You, do you feel like there's something to being here, being young, witnessing people creating and living it out, that kind of, like, I don't, I don't want to say, like, well, either directly or subversely making you feel like I could do this, like, is there anything to that, you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a really large t part of my childhood where I, you know, didn't even think about music at all. <laughs> but oh yeah, because you do, mentioned that the gap I, between that and college. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. But I do think that um, this city is just like you know, it's like a, a woolly mammoth of just like oh. it's a bizarre, chaotic, um, amazing 
really fruitful place um, and there's always a lot to do and a lot to see and I you know whether consciously or unconsciously that definitely you know that made me who I am I, I, I like to say like hey I could have been born in the middle of nowhere in the woods and I'd still be a musician but who knows you know, who really true. knows my parents aren't musicians well what you know I'm curious what was it that brought what do you feel was that brought you back to music when you were in college well, I, I took a year off um, between high school and college to kind of figure out, like, well, first of all, I didn't, um, I, I needed to get a scholarship to go to school. So I was like, all right, I'm going to work. I'm just going to figure out what I want to do. Yeah. And I ended up um, winning the scholarship to Berkeley, which was great. Oh, um, wow. And that's where I ended up going um, for composition. But uh, in that year off, I started hanging out a lot. And it was funny because I... I was in Washington Square Park all the time. I remember especially the summer before, summer right after school, um, I, there were a lot of, like, there were these, this older crowd, actually, that, like, just hung out and played, like, Dylan and Joan Baez and, oh, like, wow. you know, like, Neil Young. There's, like, a, there's, like, stable, like, four characters that have been there for, oh. like, years. Um, that have been there in, like, the 70s. There's, like, there's, like older cats that were just, like, playing guitar and singing. And it was, it was really, it was really interesting, but, you know, I spent a, I learned a lot of songs. Like, I, I basically just, just super nerded out and listened to every record and, and, and every, like, classic songwriter, songwriter I could get my hands on. Yeah. And I learned all the songs that year, and I think I, at that point, even though I was going to school for, for composition, I was like... I don't know, there is just like really something, these songs really speak to me and I think maybe I should, maybe I should write a song, why not try it? Wow. <laughs> so right around this time that I, that I went to school, I started writing songs and my first band in school was with, is a really uh, Elizabeth Zeman band before Elizabeth <laughs> and the Catafault and it was with me, my friend Phil and Esperanza Spaulding was a bass player and oh. I my first record was like just with like the greatest musicians ever I just That's got really lucky yeah yeah and I imagine that year it's interesting because you brought up earlier uh growing up here and falling in love with those musicians from the village and mm -hmm. that whole world but I imagine when you went in that year it was almost like you relearned to love what you already loved in a way like re absolutely Absolutely. I was still not sure what I was what I was doing with my life, obviously, but I I learned, you know, hundreds of songs that year. That's um, So that was fun. Yeah, and then I went to school and 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 it was like Esperanza Spalding on my left, and then you know Annie Clark, St. Vincent was like my like you know neighbor, and I was playing my first like singer songwriter shows with her, and I was like I don't know. I remember talking to my boyfriend at the time, being like is it just me or is like the people around me are the people around me weirdly talented <laughs> like bizarrely yeah. uniquely I'm feeling a little bit like I'm around superstars um, and he Fast was like, forward. And he was like yeah. and he was like I don't know man yeah sure I don't know and I was like I think it's kind of weird how amazing I'm very inspired but these are like some heavy people and then he's like yeah fast forward everyone's like blew up you know it's unbelievable yeah yeah um, you touched earlier, and we talked about this quite a bit, about like how this year has been difficult, and that the fact that there's been people that you lost, mm -hmm. and and Trump, and yeah. you know everything just going on in the world. I feel I feel like a lot of people. Everyone says 
constantly. Mercury's in retrograde, and I'm just like, could it just be some other terrible stuff going down? <laughs> Possibly. But yes, that. maybe Mercury is in constant retrograde. Well, I think there's really something to that yeah. because something that I find myself telling lots of friends of mine is that, you yeah. know, Trump and all, everything else in the world, how yeah. shitty it is, it's almost essential that you retreat within your own life and try to find perspective there. But with you, you yeah. brought up how, you know, it's been pretty difficult for you. I think for us music fans and people who aren't musicians, we think about when we go through hard times and we think about like how it could paralyze us and not, we can't be productive or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, you were making music and made an album while mm -hmm. you're going through all this. Does it, mm -hmm. like, does it surprise you in any way that when you go through difficult things, you can make music or create? Like, that's such an interesting, I mean, I'm sure it's different for every musician and everyone, um, like what their threshold is. And, you know, I've definitely been in periods of my life where, where I felt like something so extreme uh, happened that I was debilitated for a second and was like, wait, do I remember English or whatever? You know, like yeah. everyone goes through those freaky, <laughs> freaky moments where you're am like, who am I? Who am I? Am I, I? Right who am I? Should I be, should I be a lawyer? Should I go to law school? <laughs> um, so, but, but no, I think that I'm very lucky to have music as a healer. I mean, that's, that's just the luckiest thing. It's one of my friends that recently was like, you know, Gemini's in general, and I didn't really believe in this stuff, but when she said it to me, I was like, maybe you're Maybe I should start reading my horoscopes. Um, <laughs> astrology. But she was like, you know, Gemini's in general, the reason why people say that they're so quixotic, I'm obviously a Gemini, yeah. is that they're, you know, the twins that are so extreme is that they absorb so much from the world. They absorb everything. And so they have difficulty just bouncing stuff off. They take it all in. And it's very lucky. Most of the time, a lot of Geminis, are, they become artists of some kind because they can get it out. They can express themselves again. Well, there's something and, to that. Yeah. It's quite literally your job to absorb. And that's, and that's literally, you know, I said... You know, and I've said something, I mean, it's our job to be two things. It's our job to be overly sensitive and absorb the entire world. Yeah. And then it's also our job to have, like, the toughest hide on earth yeah. and not be able and, like, not take any shit. So, like, we have to be both extremes at all times, um, which is interesting. It is. Do you feel that, I mean... Obviously, that's something you figure out and learn over time, but do you feel like that was something you grasped pretty quickly, or was it kind of like a gradual thing to realize that I need to be both of these things just to exist as a creator? I mean, I think any artist, like, realizes this early on and just goes, oh, bummer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a strange uh, way to exist. This is what I love about doing podcast <laughs> and audio, is that sometimes I get the chance to describe your face to people, and you just made the most genuine, like, fuck face. <laughs> Like, shit. <laughs> like, that's a challenge. I'm supposed to be super tough and super vulnerable at all times. Yeah. Cool. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I do get that, though. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like what baffles me... I mean, I like to see myself as a creative because doing photography and writing and things like that. But I think in the realm of music, especially when you compose and you arrange and all that... And, I've been through, around musicians the majority of my life, and what kills me is that you guys have to deal with so much extra stuff when all you want to do is make music. <laughs> like, that blows yeah. my mind. Oh, yeah. Like, tw like uh, so out of, like, a normal day, I mean, maybe I'll just say in percentages, like, 90% of my life is, like, talking, thinking, working out, like, logistics to play the music that is 10% of my life. <sighs> Fuck. That's yeah, and that's where you're, like, tough. And then in the 10%, 
you're vulnerable. And I guess, but also I imagine from that 10% is when it feels worth it. And that's it. That's it. That's when, you know, like I've definitely made that speech on stage where I'm like, this is the moment that makes it worth it, guys. Like, oh my God, I just, I just rode in a van all day. We got lost. Like we just ate like, you know, McDonald's or not necessarily McDonald's, probably Subway sandwiches. But here, I'm here and I just connected to you on the the song. With the avocado spread. The Subway sandwich avocado spread. Um... I'm curious. Uh, I talked. Of, I asked you a variation of this like a while back, but um, I kind of want to delve into this in a bit of a different way. Um, just naturally from touring, you experience the world in different places in such a visceral way. I wonder though, like when you were finished touring previously and then you start working on this album, do you feel like there were experiences or moments that definitely impacted how you wanted to approach Keepsake? Mm. That came across at all, like. Well, I definitely, um, I mean, in terms of looping, I had, like, some looping songs because, you know, I realized that from touring and people asked me to go on tour opening solo in Canada and then in on a European tour um, uh, last year, and after that, opening solo and realizing, you know, like, I want to make a wall of sound on something. Sometimes it's really great just to have you and your guitar or you and the piano, but it's great also to be able to create more of, of what you hear and, like, more of a cinematic approach. And yeah. so you can only, I can only really do that with, like, looping um, and sampling stuff. So so I, 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 I thought about that with, with a lot of these arrangements because I do have a tendency to, I, like, have these very produced records and a couple of the songs I was like listen man like we just have to do this the way I'm going to do it live you know like my song Ambrosia um is there's a lot going on but I, it's all based on unlooping and really just like one pedal so so yeah oh, that's very interesting mm-hmm. you know so I want to before we end this off um try to think of the best way to actually I'm so curious in regards to so I've been around artists when they make records and I can see like what a sacred process it is and how, not precious, but just like how you want to kind of guard what you're creating. But there's also other artists who feel like they have to share what they're making with as many people in their lives. What I wonder, what I'm trying to ask is mm-hmm. that in regards to Keepsake, while you were making it, when it was finished, were there like people you definitely wanted to have hear it right away? Like people in your life, friends and stuff like that, mm. your boyfriend probably even like mm-hmm. people that you were like listen to this album I made or yeah I definitely um it's this is funny because with like my first records I didn't want anyone to hear it I was I was very precious about it and yeah. I think there's something nice about like the surprise and like really just basing it on whatever's in your head um with this record um there's a period of time when it was really just done and we were waiting for um, the right, you know, label situation and kind of doing the business behind everything. All the extra stuff. Uh-huh. That. All the extra not glor- not glamorous stuff that you don't want to hear about. And in that time, I just played it. I really was like, if I'll play it for anyone on the street. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on. You want to tell me what you think of my record? I'm down. I'm, I'm all ears. It's not like I'm necessarily going to go ahead and ch- change the whole record, but I was yeah. really interested in, and I shared it with as many people as, as everyone that I cared about, I shared it with. And, um, not even to just like, to not even, I, I just really just to, because, uh, I, I was excited about it. 
how different were the reactions amongst people you shared it with? Or were they all kind of, like, a similar... Because I imagine, just from, like, how you've talked about friends and uh, people close to you before, I imagine you have the type of friends who would be very real with you if they didn't like something. Yes. Um, I totally had friends that didn't dig it. <laughs> really? Yeah. And they, like, told you right away. They are like, look, yeah. I don't know. Like, this is not my thing. Well, but I, I'm the kind of... Like, this album, for sure, has something for everyone of, like, my fans, you know? Yeah. Like, you can rock out. Then we have the more, like, pensive cinematic stuff um we have like you know like the more f folky simple you know uh, i don't know there's there's just a lot of different styles of music on this record <laughs> um so, so so a lot of people were like hey like i really loved the first half of the record and then i hated the second no not hate it like the second half wasn't my thing yeah. or the second half of the record is so beautiful because i really have like, like the first half of the record has this energy mm. and vitality and life and excitement and then the second half of the record is super pensive like and i did that on purpose like for the vinyl yeah. I was gonna it's say like that. a split. It's yeah. like a second. It's like, all right, now we have now we're, there's a change of scenery, yeah. you know. Because you're considering the experience. Yeah, and that's just the way I ended up mapping it out. Yeah. And um, so some people have sides they liked better. Some people had certain songs, but you know, even people that were like, "Listen, man, I, you know, I love that song, and I didn't really like how it came out on your record." Whoa. I was like. Man, you got some real friends. That's there. cool, Shit. man. That's cool. You know, like as long as I dig it, that's fine. That's <laughs> like I, I respect that. Like not everyone's gonna like it. Um, and then, you know, luckily, like the people that really matter, like the people that like I hang out the most, like yeah. like the guy I'm seeing right now, really digs it. So yeah. like, <laughs> you fucking sure as hell better. <laughs> you better, take it. You better fuck that I'm one. I'm sorry, up. I'm not calling you back. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but that's like, phew. All right, that's a good one. That's Bullet dodger. That's a good thing. Tell me this real quick. Yeah. Uh, because you brought up how there was like a bit of a gap of time when the record was done and after you handle all that, you know, label stuff and mm -hmm, all the mm -hmm. administrative life stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like when that happens and there's this distance that uh, can c come within the midst of a record, sometimes some musicians find it difficult to relate to the record they even made after going through that. When you listen back to Keepsake or when you play the songs off it, do you feel like they still speak to you? Like they still speak towards who you are as a person and as a creative? I mean, I feel like on this record I wrote, there were so many songs that I, I, I really did... I really do connect to myself, like not just as not just a moment, mm -hmm. but just something that I'm like, hey, like, oh, I dig what I'm saying here. I do, like, I have a line in this song, like, I, I just want to take it all like a woman twice my age. And I'm like, I like that. That's like even more empowering than the way I usually think about myself. That's a good <laughs> reminder. That is a pretty okay, good line. Okay, cool. That's like, a line. you know, so like, you know, I, I'm enjoying singing these songs live because they take on like a new life again when you sing it live. And you know, it's it's really fun to take all this stuff, even though I've been working on it for like the last two years, and like bring it to life. Because all of a sudden, it, it like it's like it takes on a new body. You're like, wow, like this song even mean, it could even mean something new to you now. You know, so yeah. it's still very exciting. I'm not sure I'm gonna go back and like listen to the record. I don't really listen to my records after they're yeah. done. I don't know. I don't some artists do. do. Some do. do. Some do. I don't. But I like. But <laughs> now I'm like, I'm ready to tour this stuff. I'm ready to sing these songs. When you said that just now, it sounded specific. Like you've probably experienced a musician that you met or knew, <laughs> and they told you like, I listened back to the records, and you're just like, what? <laughs> 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 it's to your own record. 
<laughs> Did you make that face? Because you're making that face again. You made that face. No, it's cool. It's just, it's just funny. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's the more of me. Oh. Um, yeah, no. I think it's cool. Like maybe like in like two years, I'll listen back to a song and be like, all right. But but it's mostly just fun just now, just to to get them get a, get them arranged so they sound real good and like get it out to the world. That's fun. That's going to be the best part. Louis, yeah. thanks for chiming me today. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course.